0: This program is intended for mature audiences only. Altitude contain language, images, or other content that some may find offensive. Your discretion is advised. Welcome to Altitude Adjustment. There we go. All righty. Uh, hopefully when you leave... Um, It will still be all good. I can't imagine why it's not. We're three great guys, and you seem like a really great person. So when I first um, ran across your profile, uh, one of the things that you you have a a website, KarenTurk.com, and I know you 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 do movies. You've done movies or you've done something in the entertainment industry, and um, you're a part of a show called uh, or a movie or I I don't know what it was was, it's an hour long it's called fake news uh a a Donald Trump story yep I thought when I saw that I thought we're being punked she's not really you know (laughs) she's not really a commentator she's just she plays one on tv and (laughs) you know so we're not going to get the real um conservative thing but my guess is so I went out and found some uh, some other. I went to your YouTube channel, and this is what I found.
1: Fact or fiction? Truth or conspiracy theory? Listen to television personality Karen Turk expose mainstream media, fake news, and hypocrisy with truth bombs on Behind the Headlines, 3 p.m. Saturdays on News Radio 1290
2: W. Welcome to Behind the Headlines, where we sift through the clickbait news in a search for the truth. We're going to catch up with Lauren Boebert, who I had the pleasure of meeting a few weeks ago. She's been making headlines for what the mainstream media paints as her controversial stance on just about everything she says. They've gone full Looney Tunes. Apparently, the aforementioned scene involved a female character not being interested in Peppy's advances, and that's just not cool in today's climate. Which, mind you, is the same climate that doesn't allow white voice actors to play minorities, but it had zero problem with Eddie Murphy reprising his role as a crotchety old Jewish white guy in full whiteface in the newly released Coming to America, which, in my opinion, was not as good as the original. One topic that we just can't get away from right now is cancel culture. It's everywhere. Over the last few weeks, it's morphed from a targeted war on conservatives like Mike Lindell, the MyPillow guy, whose social media was stripped and his products pulled off the shelves in major retailers when he questioned the election integrity. So to sum things up, it seems that Timberlake was unaware of the fact that he was acting like a jerk because he's white. It's one to apologize for being a jerk, but it's another to blame your jerk behavior on the fact that you're privileged, that you're a white man. As much as I hate cancel culture, I kind of hope the cancel culture catches up with him and cancels this excuse of an apology. Welcome back. I want to bring on a guest that you're all going to be familiar with one of my favorite guests, famed political strategist, former Donald Trump advisor, friend of the former president for over 30 years, New York Times best selling author and provocateur, my good friend, Roger Stone. Welcome to the show, Roger.
1: Karen, I'm.
0: Once returning from the video, the microphones were not immediately engaged, and some of the conversation was missed. We continued the conversation here.
2: Also, delve into you know topics that the mainstream media isn't covering. Um, this week, I delved into um, some issues over in China that went beyond you know the World Health Organization. This week, saying that they were so surprised. That China wasn't transparent in giving them information about where the, the coronavirus, you know, came from, and I sat there thinking to myself, well, that's because China is a communist country. Like this is illogical. Like, what, did you expect transparency? And I actually had a guy on my show this week who has been at the border of China for twenty years, and he's fighting live organ donations in China because apparently. This happens. And I had a doctor who extremely bravely, a Chinese doctor who came on my show and talked about being forced to harvest organs from civilians in China for organ donations.
0: So did, did you have any kind of uh, corroborating information or supporting information that this guy was giving you legitimate um, data
2: you know, I mean, I let him tell a story. Can I, can I say that I, with 100% certainty, know what this man is saying is true? No, but Mitchell Gerber, who vetted him and who was on my show, has been fighting the CCP for 20 years on the border. He has a website that delves into these organ donations, which are happening. Um, of course, the Chinese government claims that they don't take organs from civilians and there's not a human rights violation because these are prisoners that are sentenced to life. But what he ended up researching and finding out that there are things people called prisoners of conscience in, um, in, in China, uh, people that are held over you know, their religious beliefs. And there was a practice called Fulan Gong, which I didn't know about, but was almost like a yoga spiritual practice that had really taken over um, in the in the 80s in china and people were following this practice and the chinese government of course didn't like it because it preached things like enlightenment and you know independence and things that they didn't want so they began to make these people prisoners of conscience and those are some of the people where these organs are being harvested from and mitchell's done a great investigative report and he has uncovered a lot of facts so he asked me to have this doctor on said this doctor would come forward he was a chinese doctor he is living in exile um, and he told a really crazy story. And can I validate all of it? No, but I believe in listening to people. And I thought it was a very interesting angle for my guests.
0: Okay. So you, you come from a more liberal background in New York, because we, we talked uh, with Karen prior to the show starting. And you live in a, uh, I'm going to say, a fairly liberal um, part of the country, and yet, you hold such conservative uh, ideas. So, so where is the transition?
2: I think it's a couple things. I, I will tell you, I did grow up in a in a household of, of parents that were Democrats. They were Kennedy Democrats, is what I would would call them. And I think we've really had a shift in America. I think that you can't really judge, you know, the politics of yesterday and the politics of today are two di- very different things. And. You know, I, growing up, I sort of always knew that I was a little bit different, and it goes way beyond that. <laughs> I knew that I was different than my parents. My parents really let me be whoever I wanted to be, and, and God bless them for allowing me to do that. But I knew when Jimmy Carter and Ronald Reagan were running— Um, that I wanted Ronald Reagan to win and became sort of a party trick for my parents. Like, hey, look at our kid. She wants Ronald Reagan to win. And um, my dad embraced it. My dad was an intellectual. Um, He taught me how to read when I was three by reading me the New York Times. You know, he was a, just a brilliant mind. Somebody who came here at 11, not speaking a word of English. And by the time he was 15, was on full scholarship in Cornell and just an unbelievable human being. And He always sort of embraced me wanting to find my own political identity and wanting to find my own identity as a woman. And part of that was having independent thoughts and opinions. And what I started to notice is as I got older that, you know, the Democrat Party of yesterday isn't the same party that it is today. You know, these really progressive leftist ideals don't necessarily define most people who identify as Democrats. It's the same way that most things that people think about right wing extremists, although I've been labeled as one, which I think is just insane. um, You know, I'm not a white supremacist. I'm not, you know, all of these things that people want to say, well, you know, if you're right wing, you're this and you're that. You know, where did we get to be as a country where we're judging people as a whole based on a very small segment of the population that's fringe? That's like saying everybody that's a Muslim is a radical extremist that wants to kill Jews. That's Mm -hmm. not the case. Are there radicals? Do we have to worry about terrorism in this country? Did we just have an incident with this shooting in Boulder that quite possibly was an anti-Semitic attack from a Muslim extremist? Yeah, is that tragic and horrible? Absolutely. Does that define everybody in that in that religion as an extremist? Absolutely not. So, I think we have to get away from, you know, defining people based on their political affiliation or making assumptions based on some values or some things that they have in their personality. So, I do consider myself a conservative. I do believe in conservative values. I do believe that Um, Progressive liberalism could be the death of our country and our freedom. And, you know, as a mother and as a grandmother, I'm afraid for my children and their children and what's going to happen to all of these wonderful freedoms that we have. You know, our country's come so far. Our country's been pretty screwed up. We've had our problems, but we've also overcome those problems. And I think once we start to do things like erase history, we run the risk of history repeating. I mean, isn't that the saying, you know, you run the risk of repeating history if you don't embrace it. Well, so I, well, I think we have a lot of problems right now.
0: Well, I, 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 agree with you that we do have problems. And I, I think, um, I think some, sometimes we don't appreciate other people's way of trying to address the problem. So we have, we have a fuel, um, what is it the term uh, we're having difficulty finding the necessary fuel to power our society. And so we're looking at alternatives to what we currently have. We're looking at trying to, to look at in the future. And when we, when people try to address it, they're, they're considered radical leftists or extremists on the left side, Uh, Because they have an idea and rather than exploring the idea, because I'm listening to you talk. And like you say, you you sound reasonable and rational. But yet um, when those people are trying to address the issue, then they become extremists. Then they become radical and you and you use the terms that you say we should not use against each other.
2: Well, I use them in a description here to give you a picture of what I think we're doing as a country. These were not personal descriptions. However, if we're talking about AOC and the Green New Deal and her being this sort of poster child for, you know, environmentalism, I have a couple of issues with that. And the issues that I have is that there's a lot more at play here. I don't deny climate change because I'm not a scientist. I don't know exactly what's going on. Could pollution be a factor? Yes. Could other things be a factor? Sure. Do I think we need people who are in the scientific world to figure out what the problems are? Absolutely. Do I pretend to be able to figure that out? Heck no. (laughs) I'm not going to pretend to know what the answer is. But if you go down the rabbit hole a little bit with me, which I hope you will, you can also look at other things like the fact that technology that could really help us as a country be more energy independent has really been blocked and it's been blocked by lobbying groups and people on the left as much as it has been fought by people who maybe don't believe in climate change on the right and those are issues that are pretty much ignored in this dialogue that hey the democrats are fighting to make us energy independent well you know i have a problem with that too because it's hypocrisy at its finest because right now I'm sitting here, and you're sitting here, and we all can see the reality that since Joe Biden took office, where are gas prices? Where are gas prices? Well, gas prices are way up, and what has that contributed to? It's contributed to the fact that we are in an economic downturn. Why are we in an economic downturn? A couple of reasons. Coronavirus certainly is a concern, certainly something that has affected our economy, and there's no denying that. Um, Do I agree with everything in the way that it was handled? Of course not. But I also think that there are political pressures behind coronavirus and behind how it was manipulated that don't serve any of us in any party in our free country in America. So we got a bunch of issues there. So I think that we could be energy independent if really we weren't being blocked by big globalist billionaires. And that's everybody's problem.
0: So did you want to jump in, Leonard? Are you okay? Yeah, the question I want to ask in the same spirit of which you
3: just talked the last few minutes, what do you think of Georgia with that last bit of election lawmaking that they did, as well as what's happening in Texas now, in Arizona, where we have one party that decides. We're not gonna compete with them on ideas. We want our ideas no matter what. So we'll stop, we'll inhibit people from voting. Please tell me that. Please, well, please give me your Inhibit, Inhibit
2: on. people from voting. I mean, here's the problem that we have is why shouldn't we all have voter ID? Why shouldn't you have to show a driver's license to vote? Why shouldn't you have to prove that you're an American citizen? The only reason why the Democrats don't want to prove that people are eligible to vote And that they're American citizens or that they legally, legally are able to vote is because that they know that they thrive on that demographic of voters, illegals. They are going to vote for the Democrats because this narrative is that they are going to play to them, give them government benefits, help them and give them things that to them are going to be appealing for them to vote. Why shouldn't we ask for voter ID? I think everybody should have a voter ID. We should make sure that people are legally eligible to vote. I also don't believe in open borders. And I don't I, I don't think that we shouldn't help people. Obviously, my parents came here. You know, thank God they came here. Thank God there was a legal process for them to follow to be able to leave the persecution in their country. And we have always been the country that's allowed people in. But to just say, hey, let everybody in. We're not gonna vet anybody, we're not gonna care. We're doing those people a disservice. How are we gonna employ them? How are we gonna put them on a path to citizenship? We gotta be smarter than this. So this voter ID thing makes me crazy because I think it just defies logic.
0: Well, so I, I have, so I have the question. So if you're, uh, did you have a follow-up to that, Leonard? Or do you have yeah. another question? Because I, I have a follow-up to that one. Go ahead. No, did you? If, if you got a follow-up to that one, go ahead. You were already talking. I, mean,
1: I have something on that. Uh, You you mentioned um, voting, and then you talked about illegals getting benefits from the government and such. Actually, to get those type of government benefits, you need more as much uh, ID to get those benefits as you do to vote. They're not just handing out uh, welfare and stuff to illegal people. I don't understand
2: they they are. And that's, I think, where we're going to have a, you know, we're going we're gonna to have to do the research on that because they are. And there are ways that we are helping illegal immigrants in this country. And there's a reason that people are dropping their kids off at the border and having coyotes bring them over because they know that we will because we have to. And we're the country that's going to take care of people that we are going to put those children in our system. And it is going to cost us taxpayer dollars. And you know there are families being separated and they're not being separated because of us they're being separated because these people are desperate and i get that but there needs to be a legal process and there needs to be a way to do this where we're actually working in favor of these human beings and this system isn't doing that uh, but you can get government benefits there are, you can get you can get id in this country being an illegal alien i mean these are these are state issues and in some of the states like california and New York, I mean, where we have these sanctuary cities, and we have these sort of backwards laws, we're actually, you know, we're not giving these people a hand up, we're giving them a handout. And I don't believe in that. I think we should empower people to have the best life possible. And I think some of these people probably come here thinking that it's going to be very different than it is. And then they get here and they end up in an impoverished situation, because the resources aren't there for them to get become legal citizens or to get the things that they were promised. And um, it's a big issue. I mean, this crisis at the border is, is huge.
1: Well, I don't hear anybody making those wild promises. Where are these ideas coming from?
2: Uh, Yeah, no, we do. We do have a lot of people making these wild promises. I mean, if you'll remember, you know, just in this election, I mean, one of the things that they talked about is there would be no crisis at the border that they were going to, you know, allow people to come here and they were going to open up the borders and they weren't going to build a wall and they weren't going to, you know, build walls and keep people out. But yet we have, you know, fencing all around our capital and and all around Washington, D.C. I don't know if that's to keep Joe Biden in or to keep people out. I'm not really sure. You could look at it either way. Well, Um, I'm glad you
1: mentioned that somebody just tried to crash through the barrier a a while ago. Did you get get that news?
2: I didn't see that. When was that? (laughs)
1: Uh, This was just probably an hour ago. Uh, Some guy crashed through some couple of cops were hurt. I think they shot the guy, but I don't think they killed him. But so now they're talking about maybe they should keep the uh, extra security. I don't know, have no details on who he was or what happened, but it's still crazy out there.
2: It is. I mean, we're in a really, we're in a really tumultuous time. I mean, I think you know, really, this has been going on even before this election. And you know, you could, I could sit here and I could tell you how much I'm just disgusted with the fact that I think personally that we have somebody who's basically a puppet sitting in the largest office of uh, the president here in the United States, who you know really doesn't know what's going on. And I have a big issue with that. I think there are a lot of better candidates that could, could be representing the other side of the aisle and representing us as an American people. Um, But we're stuck with him. He's there. And, you know, we got to all just kind of suck it up and deal with it. Um, But it is disturbing to me because I think, you know, you look at it and you think this is like a logical, this is not the person that should be representing us. And, you know, I don't, I don't think that he's capable of doing the job and capable of representing, you know, the the whole point of having people in public office from the presidents to Congress people, or, you know, even down to your, your city councilman is to have them represent their constituents. <laughs> they are supposed to represent the people that they are serving in that public office and in a lot of ways we've gotten away from that whether it's the office of the president or on down the line to some of our city council seats. We have these people that are in it for, you know, selfish gain or for some agenda that, you know, is hard to understand and they're not representing the people and the voices of the people.
0: So I wanted to go back to uh, the voter fraud issue that you brought up.
2: Mhm. Yeah.
0: What is your threshold of evidence that voter fraud exists?
2: My threshold of evidence, if you go back and I would urge everyone, you know, to go to my YouTube channel, I actually did a expose on voter fraud and I tallied up the actual facts in voter fraud. And there are proven cases of voter fraud all across this country from people stuffing ballot boxes. And we're talking about you know, insiders, people in, in public office who, you know, cre- you know had cr- did criminal acts in order to capture votes to, you know, other things, you know, uh, you know, this whole Dominion server thing and all of that that went on. I don't know if there's any truth in that. I haven't been able to find the evidence that supports that. I'm not going to pretend that I have. There's been lawsuits filed by Smartmatic and Dominion against news outlets that have claimed that they have evidence I don't have any evidence on that. But what I can prove is that there have been proven cases of voter fraud. And this I, is something, again, that isn't a. Uh, uh,
0: but, yes. but how many cases did you did you find?
2: I found eleven hundred and forty cases at the time that I did the expose. So I,
0: so you're saying that eleven hundred and forty cases over uh, a year's period, ten years
2: it was, it was like a four-year period that we had looked at.
0: 1,100 over four years. And that's your threshold mm-hmm. that, that we should then require voter ID. I
2: wish there doesn't even need to be a threshold. to Just understand, I'm not basing needing voter ID on any of the research that I did on voter fraud. I would say voter ID all day long, every day, all day long, without any evidence of voter fraud. I believe in this country we are now at a point where we can, we can get everybody coronavirus shots, we can register everybody to vote, we can do it in a way that's legal, we can create a process, and there's absolutely no reason in this day and age that we cannot have a voter ID, whether it's a driver's license or something else to substantiate that that person is eligible to vote. Zero reason that we can't have it.
0: Okay, uh, well, I mean, um, for driving, which is not a right, it's a privilege, um, and so you, you validate that privilege by having a license um, as a right. There's something it's something totally different. And what you're saying is um, you should be validated for having a right that just standing on American soil, you, you kind of get. Now I'm not um, saying
2: well, I'm not no, saying that you, you can go vote. You don't get the right you don't get the right to vote by just standing on American soil. But I mean that's, if that's you're that's born in America
0: and most and most most of the people that go if you have no evidence that people are going and voting then to require people who are following the law to do extra work um when there is no proof that there that there's anything done wrong then you're asking um for you are you're, you're asking for extra work that's not required for for anything um to be done so in other words
2: I'm, I'm you're asking, not solving I'm, a problem I'm asking for something that's you, you need to in order to be able to vote you have to be eligible to vote you can't sure. be a felon you can't have lost your civil that rights or your, your ability to vote if we stop asking for voter id so what? So now we're just going to let felons that have no right to vote vote. Well, we don't have I a mean, problem with felons. Okay either.
0: We don't have a problem with felons voting. You, you don't have well, any proof we should. that that's if happening. You lose
2: your, if you lose your civil rights and you are not legally able to vote, then you should not be voting. I agree. If you cannot produce an I.D and you cannot show that I am who I am and I have the eligibility to vote as a United States citizen, you should not be voting, period. I so agree. we have to require something in order to substantiate that, to say that we're going to make people do extra work in order for them to prove that they are eligible to vote. You, you can't have it both ways. They need to be eligible to vote, and there has to be a way to prove that.
1: So what do you consider uh, acceptable uh, eligibility or proof of eligibility? Well, I think
2: we have to have have voter registration, you know, just like we have here in Florida. You know, you have to be able to register to vote. You can do that when you go to get a driver's license. And if you don't have a driver's license, then you can go on a website and do it. If you don't want to go on the website and do it, you can go down to a county office or the post office and you can get a paper form and you can fill it out to be eligible to vote. And then I think we also have to obviously clean our voter rolls, which has not been done well in many, many states. And whether or not you want to talk about, you know, the rolls and the incidents where, yes, dead people were voting and that is proven. Is it large enough to sway an election? I don't know, but it, it has happened. So we have to actually be diligent in cleaning our voter rolls and making sure that we have free and fair elections because free and fair elections benefit everybody. You know, hey, listen, if it's a free and fair election and Joe Biden won free and fair, you'd have a lot of people if they felt that we had a definitive process that stopped this from being unfair. You'd have a lot of people that would just have to like kind of like eat their words and be like, yeah, well, he's my president now. And, you know, I do accept him as the president because I accept our election process. Do I think there was fraud? Yeah. Do I think there's probably still a lot of stuff to uncover? Yeah, I do. But you want to know what? I I have to sit back and I have to say, okay, you know what? It's done. We had an election. He won. The election was certified through our electoral process, which as Americans, we stand behind. So now he is my president. Do I like it? What should we do?
0: (laughs) So what should we do for those people who are eligible to vote, who should be allowed to vote, who won't be allowed to vote because we've implemented these laws um, so, that, so that you're comfortable that the right people are voting? What, what, should, what um, is the, what is the solution for those people? Can you clarify
2: why they wouldn't be able to register to vote? Can you clarify what would so it there enable was, them there was, to so not? So some of
0: the issues is that qu- requiring state IDs— was um, an undue burden on some people. Um, there are people who can't get to polling places as we've closed, as some of those um, voting situations closed uh, polling places in some of the harder hit areas or some of the, the poorer areas where people don't have necessarily the right transportation or you know, other means to make it to the polls on time. So so there are people I, I, who are going to be I hear impacted you. But in that. this
2: modern in this modern day and age, that sounds kind of like a lame excuse to me, especially since, you know, the you know, the Democrats have done such a good job of registering people to vote. You know, maybe there should be a situation where doors are knocked on and people are asked, hey, did you register to vote? Can you know, can our government office help you? I mean, there obviously needs to be some sort of outreach into those communities that benefits everybody. Um, again, if those people are eligible and legal and able to vote, more power to them than we we, to help then them Then shouldn't get we fight as hard?
0: Shouldn't we fight as what? hard to make sure that those people get to the polls to vote since we're making, we, it, making it absolutely mandatory that they prove they can vote?
2: We should fight for every American citizen that has the ability to vote to be able to exercise their freedom to be able to go to a polling location and vote or be able to get a ballot and mail it in. But unfortunately, our process seems to be pretty screwed up and we haven't done a very good job of doing that. And we haven't done a very good job of cleaning up the data that we have and making people feel comfortable and secure in our process. So there's a lot of work to be done. But yeah, of course, we should go out and do outreach into those communities. You know, I I would probably consider myself more a libertarian than I am a Republican. But right now we have a two party system. So I got to pick a side. So I picked the Republican side because that's how I identify right now. But, you know, I am all about constitutional rights. And one of the most amazing rights that we have in this country is that we, the people, get to decide who leads us. We, the people, get to decide who represents us. And, yeah, there should be a free and fair process for every single legal American that has the right to vote.
0: You want to jump in, yeah. Leonard? Yeah, my—, my.
3: Coming back to the first thing that started this, you got on voter ID and that's where you stayed. See in Georgia, we criminalize you giving someone water. We criminalize we criminalized you giving, something, giving someone something to eat. And it's been shown by empirical evidence that the average person had to wait five to 11 hours in minority neighborhoods to vote where people in non-minority neighborhoods had to wait at most 20 minutes in a line. I mean, well,
2: when, I, when, that's, you, when, you
3: at, when you look at that, is that fair? Does that meet your test of we should make sure that everybody who's allowed to vote are allowed to vote? Or should we uh, continue to do what the governor of Georgia did make sure that people who vote against our republican policies continue not to be able to vote so us republicans can stay in and not win on our ideas but win because we took them out and they can't vote democrat
2: Well, I'm really sorry that you think that this is what the governor did there. And I don't know what the governor's agenda was. And I don't know if the governor was looking to hurt people in order to stay in office. But I hear what you're saying. And do I think that it's wrong to have people standing out there for hours without a bottle of water? I think it sounds completely stupid. And I would wonder why that was a policy. I know in Florida, You know, we're not allowed to give away things within a certain amount of feet from the polling place. But, you know, after that, you know, I think all bets are off. And I've seen, you know, I I remember actually I was out campaigning here. I was working one of the polling locations and I, I laughed to me and my friends that were there for a congressional candidate that we were backing. And I said the Democrats are so much smarter than we, they have candy. They have all sorts of stuff over on their table and we're over here just telling people that they should vote for our candidate. Why didn't we bring anything? So I guess we don't have those same rules and restrictions here, but yeah, that sounds to me like there's, there's something wrong the way that you describe it. Um, But I, I also think that we have some other issues on the other side too, where, you know, Democrats will, you know, go after, you know, people on the right side of the aisle in a way that's very vicious. And I'll make a perfect example of this right now, which is Matt Gates, who's all over the news right now. And I don't know what the evidence is against him. And I don't think any of us know what it is. But now they're cancel culturing him based on some story about some girl, you know, and he's telling a completely different story. And he's being attacked and I've watched as many people that have been attacked, you know, Roger Stone's a close friend, was it necessary for somebody who was, you know, uh, being, you know, faced with a process crime to be dragged out of their house at six o'clock in the morning by, you know, slew of FBI agents and boats and planes and, you know, cars and SWAT teams. I mean, You know, there's a lot of things that are extreme, and it's unfortunate.
0: So I'm going to take a break real quick, and we'll be right back. Okay.
3: I know you care about the environment, and maybe you want to learn more about sustainability and climate action. Then join me on the Climate Conscious Podcast, where my guests and I discuss the issues of sustainability related to the Caribbean and beyond together we'll explore practical solutions for managing our impact on the planet. Tune in every other Wednesday on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to podcasts and follow me on Instagram at The Climate Conscious.
1: Welcome to the So-Called Oreos Podcast, a podcast where Kia, Amari, Rachel, and Janae discuss all the
3: awkwardness, hardship, and hilarity that comes along with society labeling you white on the inside and black on the outside, also known as an Oreo.
1: Trying to mind my business and be black, that's basically about it. Through intimate conversation and candid interviews, we discuss everything from quote-unquote talking white, you talk the way
2: which i guess is supposed to be like you talk proper and i usually think black people sound ghetto and uneducated that's how i perceive when you say you talk so white you you
1: don't speak Cubanics?
2: traveling while black it
1: opened my eyes to a lot of just the small privileges americans have and then it also opened my eyes to as a person of color how difficult it maybe to go to another country. It was just a lot of blatant racism.
2: Dating as a black woman. There's just something about the black woman who just really wants to support and see the black man thrive. And even if I'm not in a relationship with a black man, I'm still like- I'm Gonna root for them. I'm still rooting for them. I'm always gonna him. root for yeah. you.
1: I'm always. And a whole lot more.
2: I just love being black. So join us every other Tuesday for intellectual, and funny conversations that will make you embrace your inner Oreo. I'm
1: gonna light your <laughs> shit on fire. I'm gonna tell your mama. <laughs> what's up? <laughs> what, 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 go, what what if it, Roberta, yo, son cheated the, on me.
3: But you know, some mama be like, "Well, that's what men do. So why are you?" Surprised? Exactly, no. old timey bullshit. I ain't having it. That is not, am, that that's not okay.
0: Experience Altitude Adjustment, a weekly podcast about people, politics, and professions. It's built around user interaction, so join the conversation by visiting the Lions Den forward slash home. Okay, we're back. So let me start with uh the Matt Gates. You brought up Matt Gates. And so yeah. So my concern is, what what is what is your problem with Matt Gates? I mean, at this particular point, all it is is some, some stories about what has happened.
2: Oh, I don't have a problem with him at all. I actually really like him, and I think they're going to witch hunt him, and I feel horrible about it. He's one of the best members we have of Congress. And, would,
0: what gives you know, you the, They've now come. Yeah, what what gives you the what gives you the impression that they're going to witch hunt him?
2: Um, All of the articles that are coming out that are accusing him of being with an underage woman. Mm -hmm. um, I mean, the headlines of the last couple of days have been really unreal and salacious and horrible. You know, this is a man who's recently engaged. Um, I've had dinner with him. I know him pretty well. He just came forward and spoke out um, in support of the free Britney movement. He just asked for a congressional hearing to have oversight on adult guardianships which you know if you've read anything about me you know is a cause that's really close to my heart so um, you know i personally am very concerned because it does seem to be another situation of somebody being strung up in the press very unfairly before the facts are really weighed out and when i look at him I look at somebody who is an amazing member of Congress, who I think is a great representative for the people that he, you know, represents uh, in his seat, and I'm con- extremely concerned for him.
0: Okay. Did you want? Did you have something, Leonard? Because I, I could go on to Matt Gates. Yeah. Because, uh, go ahead. I'm sorry. Go ahead.
3: Yeah. I want to stay. I want to stay on this. The concern you have about Matt Gates's treatment. Do you have the same concern? about the treatment Bo Biden got from members of Congress, specifically, Matt Gates was one of his main deriders. He rode Bo Biden like a rail. Do, do you have the same concern for Bo Biden now that you have for um, Matt Gaetz? I
2: think the, pre- the press was very kind to Bo Biden. So if you're talking about Matt Gates calling him out in the hearings and you know calling him out on the House floor, yeah, I, I saw those videos that we were talking about, but If you're talking about the liberal left-leaning press that seems to be extremely unfair in this day and age that tends to crucify Republicans and conservatives before they have all the facts, it's two very different things. So, you know, I, I know that there was definitely tension with Joe Biden. Listen, I believe that the Biden family is corrupt. I believe that Hunter Biden is a crackhead. Um, I think that that has been based on fact. Um, I've said that before. I'll give you that little truth bomb. Hunter Biden is a crackhead. I, I, um, maybe he's a recovering crackhead, and if he is, then I think it would be great if he would own it and come forward and say, "Yeah, you know what? I made a lot of mistakes. This is who I am now." So where did Do you I get believe the facts on that? that? You know, his business overseas, his business overseas, probably you know did involve his father, and there were probably some things there that. Could so, have prevented so have him from becoming president. Yeah, I do.
0: So, so where, 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 what facts do you have that he's a crackhead? Where did you get those facts? There's
2: actual, there's actual photos of him smoking crack, and there's people that have witnessed him smoking crack.
0: Okay, so f- and there's
2: actual photos of him smoking crack.
0: And where were those, those photos press? from? Where, where were those photos published?
2: The photos are all you can Google it. They're, they're all over the internet. They, I mean, this they, is they, this is factually based.
0: Were, were they in this this? Um, um, left-leaning media that you said was unfair
2: uh the crackhead photos i don't think so i actually think the new york post broke those photos and i tend to like the new york post
0: okay so so um so you have selective fare as far as now the there's
2: no evidence on matt gates there's absolutely no evidence on matt gates at this point there's absolutely no evidence on him they have already tortured him to basically call him a sexual predator. Right. What?
0: Th- well, the, the case yet. is being built. I mean,
2: he's saying that he's saying that his father was wearing a wire for the FBI. Mm-hmm. He states that he has you know all this. He went out to Axios and he stated that you know there is an investigation. Listen, I sincerely hope that he can back up what he's saying because he's put a lot of stuff out there in the last two days explaining himself. That I really hope is able to be proven because that will help to vindicate him. But he was immediately crucified in which in the press. And, you know, the problem that we have with the media these days is they will come up with the most salacious headline that they possibly can, especially when it involves a conservative Republican. And most of these outlets, yes, are left-leaning. And we know, I mean, it's factual that George Soros is a huge player in media and supports media through his open society foundations and through the donations and the millions of dollars that he puts in in order to manipulate these narratives. Okay. And we are living in a world where we have to all do our own research and take in, you know, things from multiple sources. So, you know, I, I understand the comparison that you want to make between Hunter Biden and Matt Gates, but it's not a comparison yet because we have no evidence on Matt Gates.
0: Did you want to jump in, Warren?
1: Yeah, yeah. I just wanted to go back to the election process. Uh, I just happen to work for St. Louis County Election Board as a uh, election um, person. So what I've observed about the system here is that there's a lot of accountability. The IDs are checked, valid IDs. um, It's fully bipartisan, Democrat, Republican, everybody's, you know, represented. And I think the system is very fair. But what I do think is the problem is that there's no uniformity nationwide with how elections are held. You know, we got the state's right thing going on and one state wants to do it their way another other states wants to do it their way. If voting is constitutional right, I think probably it should be federal. Your thoughts on that?
2: I think we're totally on the same page with that. And we're going to completely agree on this, like 100% agree. I love everything you just said. And I think what you're saying is exactly like I just said earlier, we have to clean the voter rolls. We need you know, to oversee this data. It's become so disjointed. And I believe we do need federal oversight. I think there are a lot of times that our states are not doing good jobs with a lot of things. And I do want to touch, I don't want to lose time on the show and not touch on the guardianship issue because it's something that's so important to me because your viewers are going to Google me and they're going to see that I went to a federal maximum security prison for a misdemeanor charge. And this all stemmed from a very vicious fight with my mother's nursing home that I felt they were neglecting her. I decided to use her money to do some things that technically were not appropriate with that money, meaning that the social security funds that belonged to her belonged to the nursing home by law and didn't belong to me as her power of attorney. And I didn't have the right to use those funds for private aids or anything else that I deemed was appropriate. So I did, you know, meet a a federal plea. I took a misdemeanor charge. I got strung up in the press, as many conservatives do. And Got made to look like a monster, but you know I knew that there was a larger mission in all of this. And you know, in the last few weeks, the movie I Care a Lot has come out on Netflix, and there's also been a huge dialogue about the Free Britney movement. And this has opened up a lot of people's eyes, including my friend Matt Gates, who come stood on. up and said we need a congressional hearing um, in order to really get the, the the federal oversight to take a look at this because the states aren't doing a good job at policing it. And what we found is that in every state where we have elected judges, again, this is not a partisan issue, but every state where we have elected judges, we have probate court corruption okay. and we have litigious attorneys that are profiting, profiting from the guardianship system. I wanted to, and I we wanted have to... guardians that are being appointed that are also making a lot of money. So um, federal oversight would be great in a couple of areas and guardianship and probate would be one of them.
0: So one of the things that I've heard you say uh, multiple times during the, this conversation um, is that um, the press strings up um, Republicans and gives a pass to um, Democrats, and, and mm-hmm. then you turn around and, and call it cancel culture, and everybody's being canceled. Every, uh, Republicans, Democrats, cancel culture doesn't, doesn't pick a side. It it doesn't well, it p- pick a person or b- based on their political affiliation, and so, and so you make it seem like that the press um, p- specifically targets you because you're a Republican, and not because there's something that's been done. So, as you mentioned, um, you have gone to federal prison for some reason. So when they picked on you, it wasn't for no reason. It wasn't because you were um, a Republican, it was because oh, it you was did something. It was
2: a hundred, it was a hundred percent. Cause I was a Republican. It was a hundred percent because I was, it wasn't because well, you there's, did a vari- something. there's a, there's a variety of reasons. I can tell you that down here in Palm Beach County, our court system is corrupt and it's been proven again and again. And the attorneys that actually, um, were on the side of the nursing home that came after me, Um, By the way, the nursing home voluntarily dismissed their lawsuit against me. But you won't see a single paper talking about that. Not one of them has chosen to do a follow up story and say, oh, by the way, you know, Karen Turk, remember all that stuff that went on with her? Well, the nursing home decided to voluntarily dismiss their suit against her because their suit really had no basis to begin with. And they didn't have no right to do what they did to me. However, I was faced with the situation, as many people are. And I'll tell you that there are issues here aside from me being strung up in the press as a Republican and mistreated for being a Trump supporter, which is 100% accurate, that one of the bipartisan issues here that maybe, maybe you guys can relate to, and I don't know your family dynamics or how many people you know that have been to jail, but I can tell you that we have a really screwed up system in this country. And for a minimum, I-, I took a misdemeanor charge for 17 grand because it was easier cheaper, less headaches and less problems for me to do that than for me to spend hundreds of thousands of dollars trying to prove my innocence against the federal government. And I had to make a really hard choice in order to make sure that, you know, I protected my family, my future, you know, my children and everything else in taking that plea. So I made a conscious choice to plead guilty and to take a $17,000 misdemeanor plea and I don't know about you, but I don't know a lot of people that go to a maximum security federal prison for a seventeen thousand dollar misdemeanor. Um, I'll probably be one of the few ones that you've met, and I, I um, that's highly unusual. What happened? I, I, to I me. think
0: you've I think you've picked the wrong community to talk about prison sentencing.
2: Uh, listen, there's a lot there's a lot of problems. I'll tell you, I, my eyes were open, and, and you know I told you guys at the beginning of this, and I don't think I said it on air that I have written a book. My book is called Behind the <clears> Headlines, and it will be coming out and. It tells the story of guardianship, what happened to my mom, how I feel that the system is corrupted, what actually happened. And people can read it, and they can make their own determination. But I promise you that my second book will be about the DOJ, and my second book will be about the mistreatment of the women and the people that I met in prison. Because I can tell you, although I do feel I was persecuted for being a Trump supporter, I can't tell you how many people said to me, You're going to go in there and these people are going to beat the shit out of you because you're a Trump supporter and everybody's going to hate you and you're going to get, oh, it's going to be horrible. And you want to know what? That wasn't what I found at all. I went in there and I found human beings. I found people that were moms, that were sisters, that were people that I respected, that I liked, that I formed a community with in these 30 days. Um, You know, there are people that, you know, I really, truly walked away kind of like and it sounds crazy when I left. I was kind of sad because I was worried about what was going to happen to them. And, you know, my husband's an attorney. I don't pretend to have more legal knowledge than being married to a lawyer, which really doesn't mean much. But I'm a logical human being. And I saw how the government basically has a template for prosecution. And they go into these um, socially economic, you know, disadvantaged communities. And these families become a product of the system. And they become a commodity product of the system. And all the feds need are two witnesses. And they all of a sudden have a case against somebody for being a drug kingpin. And it's unreal. I mean, some of the things that I saw, and I, the girls were very anxious to talk to me and very anxious to show me their cases. And most of them I didn't really know very much, but I'm smart enough. To be able to line up eight or nine of them on a counter and be able to see that the template for prosecution is exactly the same in those eight or nine cases. And it's highly disturbing. And it's highly disturbing what goes on in some of these communities and how these people are used as a commodity to turn the lights on and keep people employed. It's sick. It's wrong. And it goes against everything that we're supposed to be about in America
0: country
1: you know it's interesting 50 cent just did uh he has a series out on that same scenario the guy who got that kingpin charge uh and is in jail and he became a lawyer <laughs> it's pretty interesting that's great. I can't think of the name of it right now but you can look it up
2: yeah no that's great well, that's amazing and i've talked to angela stan king quite a bit too i had her on my show and i got to be on a panel with her on another show and um, she's another person that I really admire. I didn't really know. I didn't couldn't relate to her story, I guess, is a better way until this happened to me. And I'm kind of thankful that I went to jail because um, it was sort of a bucket list experience. I mean, it wasn't something I ever thought I was going to do, but, you know, you got to make the best of things. And it taught me so much about our system, the unfairness of it, what's wrong in our country, about being human and, you know, looking past our stupid little insignificant political differences and learning how to get along with other people. And, um, you know, most of the women in there, I have to tell you, they liked Donald Trump because of what he was doing with prison reform. And that made me pretty happy.
0: But if, if, if Donald Trump is a lightning rod for, um, um, contention, is there not another candidate or another person who can still do the same job? And get it sure. done, but then then why are you f- falling lockstep behind Donald Trump?
2: I wouldn't say I'm falling lockstep. I I would say that I really admired the fact that he was you know a private citizen who stepped forward, who wasn't a career politician that was willing to run and was willing to stand up for the American people. I also voted for Ross Perot back in the day, so and I loved Ross Perot because Ross Perot was exactly the same. He was you know he's a billionaire. Uh, But he was a guy who wasn't a career politician that was willing to come forward and do things outside of the box and stimulate the economy. And guess what? If we have a thriving, vibrant economy, again, with my libertarian viewpoint, we then are able to have more money, which allows us to do things like you know, implement great social programs for our country and do things to help people when they're calling for change and they're calling for these things. So, you know, I think logically, of course, I hope that there are other candidates. Donald Trump's not the end all be all. Do I respect him? Absolutely. Do I like him? Yes. Do I hope that you know, maybe he'll run again or he'll do something to, you know, stand up for the people that believe in him. Yeah. But, you know, give me another candidate. Maybe Matt Gates will be the next uh, presidential maybe. candidate. I would certainly support that as well. Um, listen, I love <laughs> Dr. Carson. Dr. Carson's amazing. Um, you want to talk about voter fraud. I saw him a couple of weeks ago at dinner and he wanted to tell me all sorts of stuff about voter fraud. That I looked at my husband and I walked away and I said, is any of that true? Like, does he have knowledge that we don't? Like I haven't heard about any of that. Um, but you know, there are a lot of great candidates out there, and and I do hope that in twenty twenty four that you know we can come together a little bit more as a country, and and hopefully have some candidates that bring some refreshing, moderate insights to the table.
0: So, Leonard, you got something you want to add? Yeah. yeah I, I want to
3: ask
0: you. You keep making the distinction
3: between left-wing media and right-wing media left-wing this left-wing that right-wing that in a case fox news defended itself by saying you can't believe what tucker Carlson says because it's not he's not a reporter nobody could take believe he's just giving his opinion and that worked the judge threw the case out uh why then is it for you that right-wing media their word is the gospel when we got the biggest voice of right-wing media Tucker Carlson, out there spewing his untruths
2: um you know i don't think that right-wing media is the end-all be-all or i wouldn't have started my own show called behind the headlines and my own youtube channel where you know i go behind the headlines of the hottest stories in the country i wouldn't be doing that if i thought that there were you know that this was the end all be all and that you could just turn on fox news and get your news i certainly don't think that i like tucker carlson i know tucker carlson is an opinionated journalist Um, my background just so you know prior to me being a misdemeanor criminal and prior to me being you know mrs florida in my other life um, i was a media executive and i worked for cbs and one of the things that i think typical people sitting at home on their couch maybe don't realize that goes on is that everything in a media outlet is driven by factors that create revenue and that comes down to who's Mm -hmm. buying your advertising who's on your station and i think that you're right i think there is a certain population of people that think about walter cronkite and they believe that tucker carlson is walter cronkite but i think that that's an extremely naive way to look at things because Tucker Carlson, although he's on the Fox network, he owns his brand and owns his show. And Tucker Carlson is a brand in itself. So anything that Tucker Carlson is doing is independent from that network. And I can tell you that what Fox does, you know, is on their, on their news channels, they do tend to be obviously right-leaning. But they're also at the mercy, just like everybody else is, of their advertisers and their sponsors. And that's the way that media works. And I think what's really important is that Americans need to be educated that this is what you're doing. This is what you're ingesting. You know, when you turn on your television set, you're ingesting advertising. You're ingesting something that is meant to invoke a response from you. Um, And it's meant to get eyeballs on the TV or eyeballs on the newspaper in order to sell things. So when you look at it in that way, whether it's right wing or left wing or anything else in between, you have a much more realistic perspective on what you're ingesting.
0: So what? how are you doing that differently in your platform?
2: Um, because I'm straight up. I mean, I'm, I don't pretend to be an unbiased journalist. I'm an opinionated commentator. I'm a not a right-wing extremist, although some people will tell you that you know I do identify as a conservative, you know a Republican right now, but you know someday maybe if we have that libertarian party and we have a chance of winning an election, you know maybe I might consider being a libertarian. But I think I'm pretty transparent about who I am, why I state what I do, and why I do what I do. and I don't try to be anything else. And I think if we had more transparency from people as a whole, especially politicians, and that goes for again. I'm not going to lump in and say it's just Democrats. But if we had more transparency and people obviously understood who that person was and what their motivation was, I think it would make things much easier.
0: So it, and I'm going to let you have, have it after this, Warren. So, so what you're saying is, um, what the what you call as the mainstream media would be fine if they only shared their intention. So they, they didn't have to try to be unbiased as long as they shared their intention, As long as they, if they shared their intention, what they're trying to accomplish, then they're all good. Then, then the whole the uh, problem is solved about how uh, we use and transmit information in our society.
2: Uh, yes. For the, for the most part, yes, I would agree with that statement. However, I'm going to just use my headlines as an example, just as a prime example for what's wrong is we've actually gotten to the point where it's like the telephone game, right? Remember the telephone game you would play as a kid, and you would all line up, and I would say something to you, and then you'd say something to the next person, and by the time you got on down the line, the story was entirely different. We have a serious problem with that happening right now in our media, where a story gets so twisted and so convoluted, by the time it's actually out in multiple papers, it's filled with falsities and fake news. So we do need to crack down on that. And that's not a Republican or a liberal problem. Do I think that it's happened more in cases of Republicans? Yeah, but again, I'm, you know, listen, I am who I am. I'm a Republican. It's happened to me. You know, maybe I'm a little sensitive about it. I'll I'll give you that. Um, But in my story in particular, if you go out there and you look at my story, nobody explains that it was a $17,000 misdemeanor. You see things like... So I saw some figure the other day, like $380,000 I stole. I'm like, shit, like that couldn't be further from the truth. There was nothing ever that was $380,000, never, not in any of the lawsuits. It's just an arbitrary number that somebody pulled out of their ass during the telephone game and put in the newspaper. I mean, that's a serious problem. So, yeah, I think we have we have a lot of issues with how things I agree are reported with and we need more transparency for sure.
0: All right. Let me give you the last word, Warren.
1: Okay. Um, going <laughs> back a little bit, you, you made some comments. Uh, well, in some of your writings, you, you discussed the FBI and dealing with your case and all. Do you think the FBI is uh, somehow political? And if that's the case, do they shift from uh, administration to administration or are they just one way?
2: i think that they're extremely disorganized and screwed up and i don't want to make it entirely political but i've seen political leanings to the left in my case in particular the lawyers that represented the nursing home uh were tied to the democratic party here for a very long time one of the lawyers in particular his father you know has his name on the gator stadium and you know, they've been, you know, since back to the Kennedys, and we trace them way back, you know, Democrats, 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 and he had a lot of friends in high places. And I think in some ways, he probably wanted to prove that he had more friends than I did. You know, that's my opinion. Uh, but he also had a $16.4 million public judgment against him for doing a family wrong in guardianship for towards his law firm. $16.4 million dollars. Uh-huh. Not one single paper, even the papers that reported on me, the same newspaper never said, oh, crap, that's the same lawyer that had the $16.4 million judgment who, you know, this family, they did this family wrong in guardianship. They had this jury trial judgment. Not a single paper, including the same ones that reported on that said, oh, that's the same lawyer in Karen Turk's case. So, mm-hmm. you know, I, I don't know. I think we have a really screwed up system. I think the FBI is completely disorganized and screwed up. I don't know what's going on there, but I do see a lot of left-leaning corruption from where I sit, but I'm sitting on the right side.
0: Okay. We're going to call it a day. um, I don't know if you want to talk about
2: your upcoming book. I do. So I have a book coming out called Behind the Headlines. Everybody should look for it. It's really the story, if you've seen the salacious headlines about me, I urge you to look at the book. It's the story behind the headlines and it will be coming out on Amazon for pre-sale here pretty shortly. And uh, the hardcover will be out in October.
0: Karen, I really appreciate you joining us this afternoon. Um, I could talk to you forever. Um, And uh, I want to put out an open invitation that you can come back, especially once your book drops. I'm going to ask you to hold on for a second before uh, you go. I'm going to play the close and then, um, I'm going to thank my co-host for joining me this afternoon. That concludes this episode of Altitude Adjustment. And thank you for listening. This podcast is streamed live on YouTube and twitch.tv and is designed for listener interaction. Visit the website, thelionsdenstl.wixsite.com forward slash home to join the discussion. The audio version of Altitude Adjustment is available where you get your podcasts, including Stitcher.com, the iTunes Store, and the Google Play Music Store, to name a few. Remember that the internet is powered by your likes, shares, and comments. So please like, share, and comment on this and other episodes of Altitude Adjustment, because it matters. And as always, look out for the other guy, because they may not be looking out for you.